plenitudo voices, the fullness of voice. Bina, physis, nature. The impertice, the empress. Hello everyone, and welcome to Tarot Esoterica, episode 11. My name is Laurel, and I'm branded online as Lauracular. This podcast series is just me talking about basic occult symbolism and metaphysical philosophy with tarot cards in mind. Today's episode is some commentary on Chapter 3, The Triangle of Solomon, of the new translation of Doctrine and Ritual of High Magic, and what Levi has to say about the Empress as part of the Major Arcana. Now, in Chapter 2, Levi invested a lot of time in describing the occult mysticism around the concepts of binary, polarity, and duality. I prefer to use the words yin-yang rather than feminine-masculine to describe the polarity archetype. I consider human biology and gender to be way too complicated and complex to be a direct association of universal polarity. But I have a very modern perspective, and Levi used the conventional language and metaphors of the late 1800s because he lived in the late 1800s. So you will hear some of that in my talk about him. Levi begins chapter 3 discussing the significance of the ternary, which is what happens with archetypal two principles of binary being joined by a third principle, when a conceptual straight line becomes a conceptual triangle. Levi describes the ternary is outlined in space from the sky's zenith, infinite in height, which is attached by two straight and divergent lines to the orient and the occident. In this podcast series, in episode 3, I phrased the ternary principle as the triadic modality principle and spoke of trinary a lot, but this is truly the same concept, just using different wording. After a lot of thought, I've decided to interpret Levi's talk throughout Doctrine and Rituals about the verb with a capital V as metaphor for an ideal state of being or the ideal experience of living as a human. Verb, capital V, best describes in my personal paradigm that way. Likewise, the ternary model of mind, body, spirit, or mental, physical, and emotional health is how I interpret his intelligent, spoken, and expressive principles, which I associate in turn with cardinal fire, fixed water, and mutable air. Time for one of my personal truths. Ternary threesomes can be created for any polar pair. There is always a middle ground, a place we can put ourselves and reality itself between binary polarized states or concepts. It takes a lot of blending or melding or tempering sometimes, but I've said in the past that as far as I'm concerned, in manifested reality, there is no true perfect black or true perfect white, just a complex and wondrous spectrum of gray. Yang without any yin, and yin without any yang are concepts we can imagine, but they aren't what actually exists. I think shifting conventional human perception to this idea would do great good for our species, but we have a lot of conditioning to work our way through to do so. Embracing all three aspects of the ternary principle as intrinsically valuable and good and part of ourselves as individuals is a good way to start reprogramming our brains out of bias and prejudice. Levi gets very excited when he starts describing triangles and trinities. I won't lie, I find triangles and other symbolic threesomes pretty exciting and sacred too. I am also very attached to six-pointed stars, and so is he. A triangle pointing up and a triangle pointing down 
united together in a single symbol is best known as a hexagram or in Judaism the Star of David. Hexagrams are not a uniquely Jewish symbol, however, and it is not cultural appropriation to include them in personal practice. Just be mindful and respectful of the sacred reverence held by one of the biggest religions in the world for the Star of David, however. In modern Western esoterica, the conventional name for the hexagram is the hexagram. Levi speaks of the hexagram as the Star of Solomon and the Seal of Solomon, which early Christian occultism adopted from medieval Arabic and Jewish occultism. Levi mentions it as the Great Pentacle, which can confuse modern readers used to associating pentacles exclusively with pentagrams, aka five-pointed stars. Pentacles, however, can be any disc-shaped talisman inscribed with a pentagram or other figure. In esoteric tarot, pentacles with five-pointed stars are conventionally used as a symbol of elemental earth and are one of the four minor arcana suits. But the seal or star of Solomon is most simply depicted as a pentacle with a six-pointed star that is clearly composed of two polarized but interconnected triangles. Levi presents a drawing of one in chapter 2 on page 59, which is one of my favorite of his drawings, and it captures the ideas he is expressing here a few pages later in chapter 3. In this glyph, the Greek symbol for alpha is inscribed in the central upright tip, with the Greek symbol for omega inscribed on the central bottom tip. Then the other tips have Hebrew letters to form Aleph, He, Yod, He the Hebrew god name Aheye, which means I am what I am, with the Yod being a bit odd in shape in his drawing than how it is normally formed, probably by intent. This isn't Levi's only pentacle for the triangle or seal of Solomon, but it's the only one to appear anywhere near chapter 3. To quote Levi, this symbol, which is the great pentacle, expresses the idea of the infinite and the absolute, which is to say that it is the simplest and most complete of all things. On its own, grammar attributes three persons to the verb. The first person is he who speaks. The second is he to whom we speak. The third is about whom we speak. The infinite prince, in creating, speaks of himself to himself. This is the only time in doctrine and rituals that Levi refers to an infinite prince. But I use my own imagination here to visualize the infinite prince as a non-gendered creative principle that expresses itself in all people and in all mythologies. Levi then waxes poetically a bit for, about the ternary as universal doctrine and how it expresses itself throughout human knowledge and belief systems. I'm going to talk a bit about two of his ternary sets, the one for magic and the one for alchemy. Levi says in magic, ternary can be called principle, fulfillment, and adaptation. Now, a principle is an idea, a truth, a law, a belief, a standard. It is an abstract. Fulfillment, on the other hand, is the tangible achievement of something desired or promised. And adaptation is change in order to function more successfully in our environment. So to me, principle and magic operations can be associated with fixed water. It's the base. 
Fulfillment is the culmination of action, the intentful channeling of cardinal fire or true will. And adaptation is the journey or process of making fulfillment happen to that abstract principle, making it manifested reality, and that is mutable air. I've created a three-card tarot spread specifically on Levi's comment regarding the ternary and magic. The first card position is my principle. What truth do I want to manifest today? The second card position is my adaptation. What has to change today to create my truth? And the third card position is my fulfillment. How will I recognize my truth today? And you know, this has been a really useful little tarot spread for self-development work. His comments about ternary principle and alchemy are also interesting to me. He lists azoth, incorporation, and transmutation. Now, azoth, A-Z-O-T-H, is alchemical shorthand for the animating spirit hidden in all matter that makes transmutation possible. It supposedly comes from the Arabic word for mercury. You will see azoth pop up in Western occult texts all the time. Incorporation in alchemy means the mingling of mixed bodies into a conglomerate mass. And I associate that with conjunction, which is the fourth stage of the traditional seven alchemical stages. Alchemically, conjunction is the recombination of the saved elements from the third stage separation into a new substance. Psychologically, conjunction is the birth of a new holistic or balanced self from the divine union of opposites, which is exactly what Levi is talking about throughout this chapter regarding what creates a ternary. Transmutation in alchemy is the conversion of one physical substance to another of higher value, or converting an unsatisfying psychological state of existence to one filled with joy and harmony. And that's basically what alchemists are doing or attempting to do in every act of alchemy. Now, to me, Azoth, conjunction, and transmutation are related parts of alchemy, but they are not alchemy's ternary principle. There is something in alchemy called the tria prima, the three alchemical primes of fiery or cardinal sulfur, fluid or mutable mercury, and base material or fixed salt. I think Levi had his own reason for grabbing other alchemical concepts and slapping them together in a paragraph where the tria prima would have been more appropriate to represent what he was talking about regarding how alchemy relies on the ternary principle. Specifically, he expected his reader to know as much as I know about alchemy in order to recognize his obfuscation. I don't have a lot to say about Levi describing why God exists as a trinity, except to comment that I took something as a personal truth the very first time I read this passage here in chapter 3 of Doctrine and Ritual, and it is this. Do you wish to know what is the true religion? Look for the one which understands the most about the divine order, the one which humanizes God and deifies man the one which keeps the ternary doctrine intact, the one which incarnates the verb by having the most ignorant among us see and touch God, and finally the one whose doctrine is suitable for all and can be adapted by everyone. 
I've mentioned that I've decided to define Levi's verb capital V as the ideal life state, the individual canvas which our human life can be turned into a piece of beautiful, vibrant art. So my hot take is that Levi is suggesting that the ideal religion is one where one's vision of personified divinity and one's sense of self match, where love of God and love of self and love of the world are this flowing harmonic of three energies made one. Levi goes on to say, the son of the divine world is the uncreated infinite spiritual light. It is the light which verbalizes so we can so phrase it in the philosophical world and becomes the home of souls and the truth. Then it becomes corporeal and the visible light of the sun of the third world, the central sun of our suns, of which the fixed stars are ever-living sparks. I love the imagery of that, and the sun in the triadic world of spirit beyond our kenning, in the world of mind-thought, and in the manifested terrestrial world. Immediately after this, however, Levi brings up the Kabbalistic klipa, Q-L-I-P-H-O-T or T-H, without using that exact Hebrew word. But anyone familiar with klipot? can spot the concept right away. The translator describes klepot as the term for demons, but it's a little more complicated than that. Here's my take. If the 10 sephirot are emanations and energies of different vibrations, then the klepot are stagnant shells that are the fixed stagnant yin to the sephirot's dynamic energized yang. Levi attributes the klepot as the cause of sin and evil, and that humans can only free themselves from the klepot through spiritual emoliation, the kind you can visualize in the myth of Hercules emoliated atop Mount Oeda, where he suffered until the hearts of the gods were so moved that he was then delivered to Olympus to live among them. The klepot seems to have been just a tangent for Levi, however, because he then continues to speak of a threefold reality of mind-body-spirit and how a change in one's will correspondingly creates changes in the others. The kingdom, the power, the glory. Levi names this phrase from the Lord's Prayer as one of the most sacred versions of the ternary. So, how does the ternary tie to the Empress Tarot card for Levi? That's a complicated question. Levi doesn't even make mention of the tarot or this specific tarot trump in chapter 3. What Levi does have to say in chapter 12 is that the Empress is one of the major arcana that can be directly linked to the ideas presented in the alchemical book The Twelve Keys of Basil Valentine and is the moon to the Emperor's son. He links the Empress with the Hebrew letter Gmail in chapter 17. Gmail is the second of the seven double or planetary letters in the Sefer Yetzirah. Finally, on chapter 17, Levi writes, the celestial mother or the empress, the third day of what that of the creation of man, 
Also, the moon in the Kabbalah is called mother when we represent it accompanied by the number three. This day is favorable for generation and more specifically for all types of production, either of the body or the spirit. So that sounds like the Empress card we know and love. Finally, in chapter 22, the book of Hermes, Richie Mel, he describes his vision for the card. The Empress, a winged woman, crowned and sitting and holding the world at the end of her scepter. She has the sign of the eagle, the image of soul and life. This woman is the Venus Urania of the Greeks and was represented by St. John in his apocalypse by a woman dressed in the sun, crowned by a dozen stars, and having the moon at her feet. It is the mystical quintessence of the ternary. It is spirituality. It is immortality. It is the queen of heaven. So there we finally have it, his link between the ternary and the empress. The Worth Tarot follows much of this imagery with the Empress card. Venus is the planetary energy assigned to the Empress and Gmail Golden Dawn tradition, but I think Levi had something else in mind. Orania was one of the muses, the minor goddess of astronomy, and according to what sources I've seen, was often depicted as dressed in a cloak embroidered with stars, looking skyward while pointing a staff towards a celestial globe while her attention was focused on the heavens. Orania also has associations with the universal love and the Holy Spirit that fit more aptly with Levi's discussion in chapter 3, and I think he, like John Milton in chapter 7 of Paradise Lost, is invoking Orania as the meaning, not the name I call, in seeing her as the perfect symbolic representation of Ternary, the Holy Spirit of the Trinity he so loves. And that concludes this episode of Tarot Esoterica. Next time we move on to chapter four of Levi's Doctrine and Ritual of High Magic, and from the Ternary and Trinary and Empress to the Tetragrammaton and the Emperor. My daily life has gotten a little more hectic in good ways, so my podcasts might not be weekly anymore, but they will continue to progress as close to that schedule as I can manage. If you really like Tarot Esoterica so far, please let me know and spread that praise on your social media platforms. I don't accept tarot clients at this time, and everything I write is free to read and even borrow, as long as you attribute me as the original author. You can also catch me on Twitter at tlaracular, but be warned, on Twitter I get opinionated, weird, goofy, and I am unapologetically political. Until next time, find your own inner balance and harmony and do nothing in excess. May the world do good unto you and may you do good unto the world.